Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study at One Love Live at Love Walk and I am your host Leela Winston. I pray that you are well and God is blessing in your life. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. As you know, we come together to read in the word of God so that we can discover the purpose of God for our lives and also so that we can practically apply his word in our lives. And so today we are going to go back to understanding the reward of God. And the reason I want us to look at the reward of God, because I think there are a couple of places that we don't see how God wants to reward us. Um, But I think um, sometimes the theology gets confused and that is absolutely possible. Um, And what we want to do is just take a little deeper look. So we're going to look at Luke chapter five and we're going to look at verses two to 11. I think there's some really important context there. And I think rewarding is important. I think understanding how and why God rewards is important because I think there is some sort of link when it comes to prayer. We often associate rewarding with prayer and, you know, trying to get God to respond to different things that we want. Um, And I think there's nothing wrong with that. So let's go ahead and look at Luke chapter 5, verse 2 and 11. It says, And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered, answering, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, and their nets brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was all James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not. From henceforth you shall catch men. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Okay, so that was actually the verse, and that was Luke chapter 5, verses 2 to 11. And I just want to point out some things right off the bat when we look at this scripture. We see that there were two ships, and Christ chose Simon's ship. And I think that is so important. I mean, I don't think he had to mention that there were two ships, but they did. And he pointed out that he chose Simon's ship. I think it's important to remember that you want God to choose you. You want God to choose you. That's a big part of what God does in the earth is choosing you. Now we did a Bible study about, you know, Jacob and Esau, and there's something to be said about being chosen by God. That's so important. And now I also want us to note that in this verse, he just wanted to use the ship so that he could preach. And that was it. And Simon, he was graceful and he was gracious and he allowed him to do it. There's a certain level of graciousness and grace that you can give to other people, even when they're not behaving in the ways that they should 
or even when you don't fully understand what it is that they're doing there is a grace that needs you need to get into the habit of extending a grace to people if you see that you see what happened to Simon when he allowed him to get into the ship is that he preached his sermon but when he got out of that ship he gave Peter what he had been trying to get on his own which he hadn't been able to get all night long so I want to say let God preach a sermon with your life because if you let God preach a sermon with your life the way that Simon let uh, Jesus preach a sermon on his ship, you're going to get what it is that you actually want. There is a level of fulfillment and reward that comes in getting the thing that you wanted from God and not just trying to get it on your own. And I'm not saying you couldn't get it on your own. Peter, I'm sure if he came back several times, he could pick up some fish. Maybe if he put in a couple of more hours, I don't know. But when you do it for God, he gives you this overflow abundance. And I think that's so important to understand. And we also see this kind of principle. I think it's a principle of allowing God first to step in and honoring God first that we see this principle in the Bible. I want to challenge you to go back in the Bible and look for some places. I will mention a few. I can think of the widow woman. Do you remember that widow woman in 1 Kings chapter 17? The one that, you know, had only a little bit of meal. She said, me and my son are going to eat and die. Well, that will in um, that widow in 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 13 is an example of how the man of God said, go ahead and make me a cake first and then you'll be able to live off of that meal and oil. I think that's really powerful. We also see this with Hannah and Samuel. I think this is really powerful because when we look at Hannah and Samuel, we see that Hannah could not have a child. She just could not conceive. And finally, she asked God for a son that she would give back to him. But after that happened, this woman just went on to have more and more children unhindered and, and unstopped. And if you read that story of Hannah, you find that the Bible says that he actually closed her womb. So there's something going on that talks about giving God the first. And I'm not talking about tithes and offering God, guys, here. We'll touch on it briefly because I want you to understand the context because it's a shadow. But we're actually talking about a concept that God wants us to get when it comes to rewarding, when it comes to getting, you know, the blessings of God. I think that we see this when it says, pray or give in secret and God will reward you openly. You see, it's when it goes to God first, then he rewards you openly. God wants the firstborn of your life. And I'm not talking about your kids, okay? I, I don't know. That's between you and God. But God wants the things that you birth first, the things that you create first in your life. Am I saying that he wants it forever? No, but there is a principle in here about that. God said that the firstborn belongs to him. Of everything that opens the matrix, you know, he wanted the first fruits. I think it's important and key to understand the concept that God was trying to show the Israelites as a shadow that he wants us to see as the actual form of it, okay? So typically, the firstborn is the pride and joy of any parents. Let any parent tell you that. 
Levi became the firstborn as we read in Numbers chapter 3, verse 12 and 14. And I think that is very important because the firstborn belonged to God and then the Lord decided to choose Levi to be the firstborn. Let's look at what it says in Numbers chapter 3, verse 12 and 14. It says, And I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn that opened the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levite shall be mine, because all the firstborn are mine. For on the day that I smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I hallowed unto me all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. Mine shall they be. I am the Lord. So he said he hallowed them. There's something holy there. I want you to think about that. I'm not talking about, you know, giving God grains and, you know, wheat and rice. I'm not talking about tithing and offering. See, Simon let God use the ship first. Then he got the fish. Let God use what you have first. The thing that you prize or see as your means to earn or grow or live. And then God will reward you openly. Willingly give God a piece of it. See, pastors often preach about Luke chapter 6, verse 38, as good measure, pressed down, that you will receive as an indication of what God will do for you if you do something for him. And most of the time it's pertaining to tithing and offering. And so I said I wanted to touch on that and that's what we're doing here is we're deconstructing this idea that it's going to be pressed down and running over that God will give to you. But the concept here isn't quite quid pro quo, okay? This isn't, you know, you do something for God, he does something for you. (laughs) You know, there is no (laughs) sort of quid pro quo like that in the kingdom of heaven or else we could buy heaven. We could bribe into heaven. Um, If you can remember Simon the Sorcerer, I won't go into it, but you could bribe into heaven. And you know, bribery is a big thing in our world. So the point is, is that are you sharing your life with God? The verse in Luke chapter six, verse eight plainly says, men will give unto you. So this isn't to be used in terms of saying, give God your first or give God tithes and offering. God isn't going to do that. That is a verse that pertains to mankind. It says, will men give unto your bosom? Let's read it briefly. It says, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be measured to you again that sounds like quid pro quo that sounds like reciprocity that's something that happens with humans but that's not something that happens with god and man there are different principles on which we do things that oftentimes seem like quid pro quo it seems like reciprocity when in fact that isn't it it's a principle god is trying to get us to understand and this isn't a verse of about what god will do for you but will what man will do for you and we have to make a clear distinction between the kinds of rewards that men give and the kinds of rewards that god gives So a realistic way to talk about God's blessings for mankind, for deeds, or for seeds would be probably Peter's fishing boat example in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 and 11, 
or the example of Hannah and Samuel. God rewards us when we help others who cannot help us. When we do good deeds from love and a pure heart. These are just facts. You know, these are just facts about how, you know, you're being rewarded. God's simple request for us is if that if we want or if we need something, we just need to ask for it to receive it. So the asking is not the problem because God tells you to ask. He's not saying don't ask. He's saying ask him if you want something. But God also wants you to use your request to glorify him and accomplish purpose. Now, I know that seems a little bit complex and it seems kind of tricky, but I want you to consider what uh, Hannah did when she prayed. She wasn't just praying like, you know, Lord, give me a child. She, She put God in there. She asked for something for God that would glorify God. And it is an example of a principle of the first which we find in Numbers concerning the firstborn and the Levite. It's also something we learn with the first fruits. The firstborn, they belong to the Lord. It is in giving him our best. So if you get the new car or the big promotion or the child or the spouse, how do you glorify God with it? Hmm? That's a question. There are people now who prayed fervently for a spouse or fervently for a child or fervently for a car or anything that you can possibly think about. And now they take it for granted. They don't see that gift that God gave them as a way to show forth the praises and the glory of God. It's not that God is wanting your car or he wants your spouse. He wants you to use it also to glorify him. There is a portion of using that for his glory, for his service. So I want to ask you, okay, about some of the things that we (laughs) just talked about. How is the way that you treat your spouse glorifying God? I want you to think about that. Hmm? And how is the way that you raise your children glorifying God? Or how is it when you go to work on that job, how is that glorifying God? Or living in that new city or wearing those new clothes, are you glorifying God through that? And what does it even mean? Like, what does that even mean to glorify God with it? Let me put it this way. Let's say you get a new car. You're blessed with a new car. Do you just use it to go to work and go out for drinks with friends and food and take the, take your family here and there and taxi yourself back and forth to the game? Or do you use that car in some kind of way to glorify God? How, how can you use it to glorify God? What would that mean? Maybe that might mean I carpool on Tuesday, helping people who don't have a car in my church, or is someone who needs to get to work, or, you know, maybe I use that car to bring, you know, food to the pantry, or maybe I use that car to go and you have to think and find a way that the blessings that God gives you, you can bless with it. He doesn't just want you to ask for stuff for yourself. Often God doesn't even want the whole thing that he gave you. He wants to use it first. Hannah didn't know that her womb was an incubator for change. 
not just babies. God wanted to use it first for a righteous and pure prophet. When she let him use it for that, she went on to have more and more babies unhindered. Might God have looked uh, or even locked an area in your life as a lesson so that you can ask him to use it for his purpose for a period of time to do good? God isn't trying to use the things that you have for himself. Like, this is going to be great. Let me use your jacket because I'm going to look good when I go to the pearly gates. He doesn't need your stuff. He wants to use it for good. He's trying to use it for good according to his will, not just according to yours. And our will is pretty strong, let me tell you. (laughs) Abraham was requested to sacrifice his only son. And so Abraham couldn't have imagined that God actually wanted that. But as soon as Abraham consented, God sent him a ram and used his son to be the father of many nations. When God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, I want you to remember that his own son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was slain before the foundation of the earth. But you see, Abraham didn't know that. But God did. God isn't asking you. God knows you're a mere man. He's not asking you for certain things that you know, you cannot do. He's asking you to make more of what it is that you have. And that is what he is seeking. This is not a Bible study to tell you to go back to first fruits and sacrifices and tithes and offerings. No, rather it's one that's asking you to keep God foremost in all that you do. That's literally what it is saying. It means changing the way you think about God. Let me give you an example of what it's, is being meant here. I don't want you to think it's quid pro quo or you know, reciprocity. When you have a bestie or a homeboy or a pal or a good friend, whenever you do something fun or meaningful, don't you always think, oh, I wish so-and-so were here. Oh, I wish they could be here to see, oh, I know this person would love this. Don't we all do that? At momentous occasions, we want the people that we love to be there, to be a part of it. We want those people to be a part of our important moments. And that's what God wants from you. He wants you to invite him into your important moments, even in your closet of prayer, when you're asking him for things that you actually legitimately need. In momentous occasions, he needs you to invite him in. God wants you to feel that way about him. He wants you to think of him as as your bestie. After all, he is the one that sticks closer than a brother, as it says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 4. And he himself said, therefore, I call you friends. He says that in John 15, 15, he says, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. God is, he wants to be your friend, a companion. What was Abraham called? A friend of God. Would you not invite your friend, your family member, let's call, let's say, if maybe friend doesn't resonate with you, maybe family member does. Because 
If we're honest, we are not just his friend. Now we are also adopted through grace according to Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. So we cry, Abba, Father, which means that in our prayers, even those prayers for needs, we want to ask him with him in mind. Let's look at Galatians chapter 4 verses 5 and 6. It says, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God had sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore you are no more servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So remember, you're not just his friend, you are his son. You are related to him. You have been adopted into the household of faith. Shouldn't he be included in those prayers that you pray? Don't forget God in your prayers. The idea isn't trying to extort things from God by asking for what you think he wants to get what you want. Rather, it is to ask on behalf of God that he might share in your blessing to use it for his glory and the good of others. God wants to give you good things, so you're not twisting his arm. And I will prove that in Matthew chapter 7 verse 11, straight from the mouth of Jesus, it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask? What might God want to use that new car you bought for his glory? How how might he want to use that? How might God, you know, want to increase you with that promotion or use that to increase the kingdom of God by that promotion you got on your job? And so how might you bless God in your life with your spouse or that vacation you took? How might you acknowledge God in your life by how you use and ask for things that you want, need, or even those that belong to you? You know, in the past, I have heard a similar message preached on behalf of tithes and offerings or similar blessing concepts. And often there's this accusatory tone that, you know, don't you dare rob God, you know, he gave it to you, he can take it away, or it belongs to him anyway. And in a way, it's kind of like forcing a selfish child to give his brother or sister a bite of their food. That's kind of what it feels like when you listen to it. But this is not the concept God wants you to have at all. God wants you to think of him fondly and often imagining ways to include him in your plans, in your prayers, and prosperity. This isn't a case where an all-powerful God is standing over you, roaring for a piece of your cookie. No, he has a trillion cookies in ages and ages to come. God said in Psalms chapter 50, verse 12, if I were hungry, would I even tell you? He who supplies all of your needs surely knows how to supply all of his own needs. Let's look at what it says in Psalms chapter 12. It says, if I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. That means the world and everything that could possibly be invented or created in all of its uh, mass and proportion and volume 
it all belongs to God. So he's not gonna he's not asking you for a piece of it because he's hungry. He's, he, he wants you to acknowledge him. That's the point. Acknowledge him in all of your ways for a specific reason. He wants you to acknowledge him. Well, why, why does God want you to acknowledge him? Well, the reason is to help you, to direct your paths. He knows the way. He's not wondering about the way. He's not trying to redeem mankind because he needs mankind. He's redeeming mankind because he knows we need him and we can't reach him. And he's a good, good father who loves us. Let's remember what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Is prayer a way? Is how you talk to people a way? Is how you live with your spouse a way? Is how you raise your children a way? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. The first fruit today is an acknowledgement of God, to acknowledge his power and authority and his providence in your life. God is a God who asks you to ask. Sometimes he has to bring you to a point where you ask with God in mind. That is what it means to acknowledge something or someone. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, it says, Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he shall direct your path. That means keep God in his ways in mind when you do something, and he will direct you. This isn't as spooky or spiritual as it seems. I mean, it's spiritual, yes, but if you really think about it, I mean, imagine if I wrote directions on a piece of paper for you. If you acknowledge or keep in mind what is written down on that paper, you will get to the destination, even though you don't actually know the way to go yourself. And that's actually what it's like. God wants us to acknowledge him in our requests, not just in asking him for something, but that we ask him for something for him in our request. It keeps us from selfishness and from the sanctification of God. <laughs> you know the sanctification of God. God, I want this. God, I want this. God, give me that. God, give me this. If we begin to start thinking about not just our needs, but God's purpose, what God wants to accomplish in the earth. And I'm not telling you that your prayers are selfish. I'm just telling you that you need to start asking that God can use the things that you seek as well. To ask that God be a part of the requests that you make. It acknowledges the leadership of God, which we all need. Have you asked in your prayer time, how will the benefit be to the kingdom? Or how will it bring glory to God? If you don't know, find a way. Maybe you need to take more time thinking about what you want than just asking and asking and asking. I'm not telling you not to keep asking, but what I am saying is ask God to make a way for it to glorify him or benefit the kingdom of heaven. Be God-minded. Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways, and he will direct your path. I pray you are well. God bless you.
拜。